What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Liberty Pole. Um, this is Cole Williams here with uh, my, as usual, co-host Blake Bachelor. And uh, this episode, we've got another special guest, like we had last week. Uh, a fellow who's been a close friend of mine and Blake's for I'm not sure how long at this point. And uh, we really wanted to have him on for a while, and we finally got it worked out because he was in a uh, another state, living his own life, and uh, a little bit busy. So. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's got a uh, very interesting viewpoint on a lot of things and uh, thinks about things in a completely different way than, than the normal population would, which makes him a perfect <laughs> candidate to come on this podcast. Uh, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Michael J. Fulcher. What's Thank up, buddy? Thank you guys for having me. We finally got it done. I know. Uh, it's been a few weeks now. We've been talking about yeah, it. Yeah, we have. We've been talking about it. Well, when we, when we were trying to launch the previous podcast before this one got off, you know, got off the ground we were going to have you on and then we had a hiatus and then we came back and we were trying to get this thing set up and we finally got it set up so it's probably been months since i started hearing the the rumblings of said podcast well so. no it's, it's it's been almost a year because you remember we we, we initially recorded a, a, a pilot episode and and then I that one fell apart that. and the studio rejected that one yeah yeah studio rejected <laughs> it <laughs> so so yeah so you probably heard it for almost a year now <laughs> Yeah. I think we're going to start I've been, it. I've been preparing. I'm, I'm just so ready. <laughs> he's, got, he's got like a, a Bible full of notes. He's ready for this yeah. podcast this year. I've got three iPads and two computers set up, boys. We are going to be here all night. Well, so last episode, we had Keaton Browder on, my cousin. Obviously, a, a very smart... Yeah, I know Keaton. A very smart young man. Yeah, of course. And and we kind of had more of a political discussion, and I was talking to Michael. And this is a this is a political channel, of course, and we come from things from like a libertarian viewpoint. But we're not against talking about things that aren't exactly political in nature. And tonight we just kind of wanted to pick your brain about random stuff that people might find interesting and and deep topics that we might disagree on, and we probably will disagree on. Knowing you and I and Blake, right. and, and 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 we can have a healthy discussion about that, and hopefully. The Wi-Fi stays uh, stays uh, working efficiently for us tonight because uh, last episode yeah. it died out at about 50 minutes. So, yeah, I guess we'll... We live out in the boondocks of eastern North Carolina. Some yeah. stuff can kind of get a little shaky on the Wi-Fi. <laughs> we, we all live in the boondocks of eastern North Carolina, yeah. so, so we, we're, all, we're all living the struggle. Anyway, uh, so, Michael... For the uh, yes, for, for interviewing purposes, I'll, I'll hit you with a few questions to start. What is what is your personal meta analysis on the meaning of life? Uh, like like your big picture view of why you know whether uh, I know that you're you're a Protestant believer, but why you know God or somebody who's not a believer put us on this earth, you know, evolution or what have you put us on this earth to you know to live some sort of purpose. What what is your meta analysis for? what that purpose is while we're, while we're here on this earth. Right. Uh, yeah, so I, I actually listened to the episode of Keaton up here, and this is going to sound a lot like Keaton's. Uh, I strongly believe that we were put on this earth specifically by a creator for his glory, for his glory alone. Um, I think uh, I came to that on my own, uh, under my own power and under my own will. I know a lot of people, um, oh, you grew up in the Bible Belt, this, this, and that, but... Um, I've been able to hash that out for, I mean, probably 10 or 11 years of my life now where I could really and truly like look at the facts. And uh, I truly believe that uh, there is one God and he created this earth and he put us on this earth and created man for his glory. 
um, and for his glory alone. And that's our purpose here on earth is to, to give him glory and to point others to that glory. Hmm. Well, that's, uh, it's interesting. Kind of, kind of the answer I was expecting, but when we have a, when we have a guest on, I think that's going to be the first question I'll lead off with just to kind of let them give their analysis on that. Uh, so what you're saying is, is you're not a polytheist. Are, are we good on that? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I am 100% certainly a, a monotheistic uh, believer. So I, I definitely believe in one God. Although I do believe in the Trinity, so you could probably get into some philosophical. Ooh, are there more than one God? But no, nah, there's one God. Uh, so I, I do believe in that. Well, I think what you said about you know finding your own way, and whether that's in religion or whether that's in your political development or, or your philosophical development or your emotional or physical development, that's very important. And, and the reason that is important is because when those structures or pillars of your life, whether they be religious or mental or physical or emotional or philosophical, whether those structures, when they're, when they're challenged, when they're challenged with that, the weight of life and the weight of life's tough questions and, and the queries that life will throw at you and, and, and you know, the dichotomies and the paradoxes that you have to really wrestle with, I think it's important that you struggled with that yourself and, and that that wasn't just like, like you said about your faith and like I would say about any like, like a political viewpoint. I think it's very important that that's not just something that was passed down to you and you just adopted it because your parents or your friends told you to. And I, I think that whether you're religious or not, you can take something from your answer, you know, in a constructive way that, you know, that that is a good idea to really to, to wrestle with what you believe firmly and, and what's at your core and what, what, what are your core pillars that you build your life on. And, and really when, when it's time for challenge, you know, you know, those structures are, are, are able to bear that load. Blake, do you have anything exactly. to add? Oh yeah. I, I agree completely. That, that one statement says a lot about how somebody thinks, how they yeah, act. Um, I agree. And that's why we have, I, I can have a discussion with anybody that thinks that way. I can too. Even a communist who says, well, I, you know, I started out as, you know, something else, or maybe they did start out as a communist, and they wrestled with that, and, and they've gotten into the literature, you know, opposing and, and confirmational viewpoints. I can have a conversation with somebody like that as opposed to somebody, you know, whether religious or politically or philosophically, just going to throw talking points at you like a Charlie Kirk, you know. Right. I, I can't deal with somebody like that. Michael. Right, and I think, I, think we, I think we live in a, in a culture right now where that, uh, in, in a good way, is almost like prioritized uh, the way I, I don't really just want to say it's cancel culture that's doing this, but um, the culture that we're in, if you can't, if you can't really sit down and back up what you believe, and if you can't realistically uh, fight within yourself about your beliefs, then uh, you're not going to be able to actually show what you believe. You're going to be called out on every front um, if you're not firm in what you believe and you're sound in it. So I think it's important uh, for anybody uh, in any aspect or any realm of life. Like, if you can't sit down and challenge your own beliefs, uh, there, then you have to really step back and say, "What do I believe?" So I think, I think questioning and really finding out for yourself is natural, and I think, I think that's part of our human nature is discovery. Yeah, I yeah I agree with you there, and and the wonderful thing about political or religious or philosophical discussions is we have this funny thing called the internet, and, and it's very easy right. to call you out on your BS if 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 in fact you are operating in in, in you know that manner in a debate or or an argument or you know some sort of 
some sort of talking point, it's just very easy to look something up and, 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 and find out that you're, you're, you're not speaking in truth. So, so it's very important, especially like you said, in this day and age, you can't really be a snake oil salesman, which I'd also argue we've got a lot of snake oil salesmen somehow yeah. that, because there's other people that aren't very <laughs> diligent in their, in their um, research to make sure somebody's dealing in the truth. There's a lot of people trying really hard to be snake oil salesmen out there, and some of them are successful, man. you got to watch out for them because they're Yeah, out there. like I said, Charlie Kirk, he's a world-class snake oil salesman. So so I commend him on that. It's probably the only thing you hear me commend him on. <laughs> um, so, Michael, do you believe, firstly, that aliens exist? Do you believe that there's some sort of other intelligent organism out there that 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 is i guess conscience i mean or conscious like like us you know um i it's funny i've i've actually had several conversations like this in the past few weeks and i guess when the government declassifies thousands of reports of weird objects in the air you uh get to have some weird conversations uh funny how that works but i think um i really i really had to think about it because for the longest time uh this idea of aliens and extraterrestrial life has like really, really intrigued me. Um, and so then I had I had to make a decision. I had to say, is this going to be um, a funny little discussion-having thing? Because this is going to become really real really quick. And so uh, for me, like in-depth, uh, the biggest answer would be, I do not think that there is any life more intelligent than us um, in the universe. I think I can say that that's like my period, end-all, be-all statement. Um, now that that is not saying because I've heard some, I've heard some theories uh, that are kind of interesting about things like this uh, that involve. Uh, I mean, you got to think I'm coming from a very uh, Protestant um, Christian viewpoint, so I've heard theories about uh, demons and angels and things like that, and I'm not, I'm not willing to discount the fact that there could be beings out there, but. Uh, when it comes down to it, for me, I think human life is as uh, the most intelligent life that you would encounter. Um, and the way the umbrella I would put that under for me is uh, that is redeemable. So um, coming from a Christian background, I kind of view that through my my own meta narrative and my own story of how I see the world coming out. And so um, when the Bible says, "And God created the heavens and the earth," I believe He did that. And when He said He created man, I believe He did that. Um, and so, uh, for me to say that there's other obscure life on other planets that could somehow, uh, be just as rational and just as intelligent as we are, um, I think that almost certainly collides with what I believe, uh, religiously. And I don't think I've seen convincing enough evidence of life other than UFOs, which if we know one thing, we know that, uh, the government's been hiding secret. They've been hiding stuff from us forever, so who's to say that we don't have pretty, uh, pretty tech-savvy uh, things flying around the air that they're just like, oh, we don't know what that is. So I would say, no, I don't. I don't think that uh, intelligent life exists anywhere else on Earth. Interesting. So that's kind of, I get. Well, so so are either of you familiar with the Drake Equation? The Drake Equation. Not super familiar. So, so is the that Drake like Equation. A Drake the rapper. Huh? 
Drake the Rapper? Is that what? Oh yeah, about? yeah, Drake the Rapper. He wrote out a oh. very complex equation one. for the existence of other <laughs> beings. Yeah, so there's like a there's a mathematical equation that that kind of proposes to take in the narrative of like uh, so so like galaxies or I'm sorry, not galaxies uh solar systems like ours with a sun like ours and 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 what so what they call the Earth inside the galaxy like from an engineering like perspective when we look at these things like like i've written a code for it in the past is like finding exoplanets so when the sun will pass by a certain planet that resembles the earth that's called an exoplanet you can you know write a code which is kind of pointless for me to say but that's what an exoplanet is and and an exoplanet is like an earth in a solar system like ours so the equation basically says like you know simplify because i don't know a bunch about it i've obviously can't wrap my brain around it because these are very smart people that it takes in all these variables in, in our galaxy and galaxies beyond, obviously. And, and, and basically mathematically says that there's no possible way that there's not another Earth-like planet with, with living organisms that are conscious like us. But that's kind of a side note because I don't really, I'm not sure that I've squared this question with myself. And, and I'm not sure how I'm going to confront this if and when we are provided with evidence that extraterrestrial beings are on this planet because I'm like you. I, I do think that that would challenge my faith and that'd be something I have to wrestle with. But at the same time, like you said, I don't trust the government as far as I can throw them. Exactly. And guess what? We have the largest federal apparatus th in the world has ever known. So I can't throw them very <laughs> far. So I'm not sure what to think of it. So I will accept your answer and, and not really push back. Blake, would you like to? Because I don't really have anything else to say. Because I, like I said, I haven't squared it with myself, to be honest with you. I just kind of wanted to hear what you said. You, you're kind of along the same lines as me. I could see it happening. And at that point, I'd have to revisit everything I believe, to be honest with you, because that's a big deal. Right. But until I am going to see evidence of it, I'm going to lean on the side that we've never seen these things. So it is inexplicable, inexplicable to think that they do. Or that they do not exist, in my opinion. Just like, right. to be honest with you, the existence of God. Like, well, I mean, I don't have anything uh, super scholarly to share. Uh, as far as if there's any type of organism anywhere out in the universe, I think that's highly likely. I guess the question really comes down to what you define intelligence as. I mean, if it's is it something that can build a spaceship and fly across the galaxy or is it something that's got a, a moral conscience that decides between what's right and wrong like humans have so see let's um, go let's go even like okay so that's interesting what you just said and something i was about to bring up what so so how would you define consciousness then like uh, you know right. this is for both of you and i kind of have an opinion on how i might would define it but i would like to hear you know maybe how you michael would define a state of con like what makes you a conscious being just, you know, in general, what makes you a conscious person, living organism, you know, what have you. Right. So by, by no means at all am I any type of uh, actual philosopher or doctor or have any intense knowledge <laughs> on things like this. But um, to my, like, naive brain, I guess you could say, um, as humans, we can look around and you can just tell. That, they, that we have different qualities than literally any other being that we encounter. Um, you think about, like, okay, people are like, oh, monkeys have uh, opposable thumbs and they can, they can learn to talk. Yes, but can a monkey tell you, can a monkey tell you whether or not uh, shooting someone in the head is wrong? And so morality to me and uh, morality and rationality as far as, like, 
uh, being able to form ideas and words and being able to decipher between right and wrong or having like the potential to do so um, would define that for me because uh, it, it, a lot of times it's like having a soul. I know that's that's kind of like a really like religious way to put that uh, in kind of like a Christian way of saying it. But um, it's, it's pretty clear to me that there is a difference between uh, being able to I don't know, like being able to like repeat a word that's said to you or uh, repeat an action like they do uh, with like test like lab rats um, and being able to make uh, rational and moral decisions and to have a degree of high order thinking that's beyond that. So, I mean, uh, I guess back to what Blake was saying, if there was somehow a being uh, in a different galaxy or in our universe, um, that could theoretically build a spaceship and fly across the galaxy. Um, that would be something if they could do that. But um, I question whether or not you would need to have that highest degree of thinking or even a higher degree of thinking than uh, humans to make that possible. So I think it comes down to being able to like decipher morally and rationally um, and see, see things in terms of like quality. Uh, that they have instead of just uh, being able to perform actions. If that makes any sense, that was a really long answer. So let me ask you this, though, and I understand what you're saying, but then at, at, at what point then by your definition, or maybe you would just say that, I don't know, what, what would you hear your answer? Would you consider a child or a mentally disabled person conscience? Because I would. I think that they they might not operate in the same social stratus as I, as we but like if you show a child a distorted triangle they're not going to see that for anything but a triangle because we are we are like our brains are conscious to the fact of like basic geometry and, and you know like things like that a baby is conscious to to her or his mother's love like uh, things like that that I think we do like in our you know in our primal state share with the animals a bit so I think what you said was important that like the ability to rationalize is 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 a huge separator between us and the animals. The ability and not only that, but the ability to put one's tribe or one's community over oneself is not common in the animal kingdom as it is, you know, with our species of, of animals, you know. Right. So on, on what you're saying, I think uh, like there's a big word and that word is potential. And so um, like I think two words of potential and disability. So they're two completely different things. So whenever we're talking about like a child or even like an embryo to me, um, like they have that potential, like as long as something or someone does not throw them off course, they will eventually develop into a rational human being. One that can decipher morally and rationally, um, a life and they can make, autonomous decisions um in a very very high order of thinking yeah so like the potential for me i mean uh this gets into a variety of debates that center around the death penalty and um i forget the term for it but whenever somebody wants to take their own life at the end of their life um or whenever you start talking about abortion um you get into this like what is a life um and i think the how we know that for however long we've been on this earth that humans have that potential to rationalize and think higher um 
And then you have the disability side of things where um, genetically or physically something has gone wrong that has dampened this specific ability. It doesn't mean that they don't have that quality, but something that has happened out of the, out of the ordinary, completely out of the normal, um, takes that kind of away from somebody. In the same way that a dog who cannot see is still a dog, if you get what I'm saying, that's a really, really simple no, analogy to I what, what I'm saying. saying. So, I mean, you can say uh, it doesn't make him any less of a dog if he can't uh, see a deer running by and bark at it, because that's something we would say that um, deer or that dogs would do. Um, in the same way, if something happens genetically um, that makes a human not be able to do something that does that, that doesn't make them any less human. It just means that. Um, something went wrong and so they don't take they don't just become an animal right they just that something is wrong and what do you know we're so intelligent if that if that happens to a dog if that happens to any kind of animal um they their their only choice is death yeah right but we've we've been created i believe with such a high order of intelligence that we can sustain life even whenever something goes horribly wrong and so I think um, when you're talking about children and uh, people with disabilities, I think like potential and disability, like something needs to, has either been taken away or they're going to get there. Uh, no questions asked, that kind of thing. Yeah, I understand. That's a that's a good answer. Blake, do you uh, do you have anything to add to the consciousness question before we move on? No, Michael put it well, and the the potentiality aspect of it is is super important. Yeah. I know the saying that the ability to rationalize and make moral decisions is that's usually what i fall back on but it's not super satisfying for me at the same time no yeah it's not and and i really i, I struggle with this question as well I, I i don't know this either and i've read a couple books specifically about consciousness and i've, I've come away with nothing other than a waste of time because you know everybody has their own opinions on it and i think michael put it well especially with the rationalization and what i figured he would say when i posed the question about children or disabled people that they do have that potential and that that makes a whole lot of sense especially when you really dig into that question that the the potential for rational thought and the potential for for complex actions that don't necessarily depend immediately on so, so in the animal kingdom, animals will obviously act on their immediate instinct for their, their immediate gratification or their immediate safety. Humans right. don't necessarily do that. And I think that's another important, like, I don't know, maybe like a pillar of consciousness is like the ability to like think complex. But I, 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 I'm not sure. I struggle with this question as well. I like Michael's answer. And uh, <laughs> I guess we'll go with that. So you brought up the death penalty, and I actually kind of wanted to get to that. What... Do you believe that the death penalty is is an acceptable, uh, an efficient, and and a moral punishment to a either deter crime, to outright punish crime or criminals, or or to uh, reimburse the wronged that that the victim who's receiving the death death penalty uh, wronged? Do you think that uh, you know maybe maybe it will it will help the family get some retribution? Uh, you know, one, one of those three, you know, whatever your reason is for that punishment, do you think that it's moral and do you think that it's an efficient punishment and that 
that our society should use the death penalty? Um, I think, and it's I, these you're you're hitting me with all the hot button ones right off the bat. So of course, um, it's it's things it's things that uh, you wouldn't be asking if they weren't hard to think through. So I'll try to give as concise an answer as possible. Um, when it comes to the death penalty, I believe that it is morally acceptable in very very um, specific and a small number of cases. Um, I believe that uh, God has created God created man and God has has the foreknowledge of knowing uh, when and where we will die and I do believe that he is the controller so he's sovereign so I do believe in that. Um, but do I also believe that there is uh, biblical evidence to back up uh, the death penalty? I do think so. Now, with that being said, um, I'm talking like super specific things. Like I'm talking about um, like people who, if they were not given the death penalty, would be a serious, serious problem and a threat to life on Earth. So I'm not saying somebody makes a mistake in the state of Florida and premeditates a murder and kills somebody. I'm not so set on that person should be killed because I would say um, that I would say, yeah, that's completely wrong. It's probably the worst thing you can do. Um, does that person have a chance um, to rebuild their life after that? I think so. Um, now, if we're talking about people who, um, I mean, you're talking like killing thousands and thousands of people or killing hundreds of people in a mass shooting, things like that, um, especially if they're showing like, okay, this person is a, a danger to society. I think it may be acceptable to do that, but I, I heavily, heavily lean towards not using the death penalty, if that makes sense. So I'm yep. not going to sit here and advocate for everyone to be given the death penalty. And you can say that I'm being wishy-washy and taking a middle stance. No, I understand. But I, I'm, I, I think, I think it has to come down to, um, I don't ever want to take a human life that does not absolutely have to be taken. Um, and I think when it, with respect to the death penalty, again, we're talking about more rational beings who can make their own decisions. And if somebody is outrightly threatening human life consistently, I think that calls for. And I think I think you could find biblical evidence, Old Testament and New Testament, for that thought. But I would heavily lean towards um, not using the death penalty if possible. So, so I think what you said is interesting, and I have my own viewpoints about it. So, a I don't believe that the biblical eye for an eye advocation for the death penalty works in in our society. Mainly because we are not a theocratic society or, or a theocratic government, thank God. Which, which, right. which, you know, that's a good thing because we, we are able to have the freedom to worship our God. And if you've listened to the podcast last time, we talked about this a little bit. And, and others are allowed, and I want that freedom. I'd be willing to, to fight for that freedom for them. And I'd stand up for them to have the, the freedom to worship you know, Allah. Or, or, or to be a Mormon or, you know, a Catholic or, or a, a religious. I mean, I, so, so I don't think that God's laws could or can or should be applied in our, in our political system. 
mainly because by essence of our system, when when the people who are opposed to God's laws get controls of get controls of the levers of power, not only will they reverse God's laws out of out of that out of that uh, out of the workings of the legislator and and the legal system, they will they will they will turn those laws back on Christians who were instituted in the first place. And I think that's very dangerous. So I advocate you know to not even really consider the Bible when we're making legal code, which I that sounds bad in theory, but look how it's worked. We did that early in the 1900s, late in the 1800s. The 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 Southern and Free Will Baptists really pushed to use state power to to really institute their will and 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 institute God's laws into our land, and and look how that's turned. And and now the people who who detest you know Protestants and Catholics have gotten the levers of power and they've turned that on us. So that's kind of a didn't really address the question, but that's kind of how I feel about using God's laws in our legal system. And secondly, you said that they should, like, you, you think that they could have a chance to, like, turn around their life if they murdered somebody. Did I hear you correctly on that? Like, uh, like if, you, if they murdered somebody, there's a chance that maybe they could develop, you know, later in life and, and get some repentance and, and maybe live a decent life after that, whether it be in jail or not. Is that what you said? I do believe, I do believe that, like, I, I'm not saying that every person – I'm not saying that we should give every person that chance, but in the in a certain realm, I am. Um, I don't think um, – I don't think doing one thing binds you to being that person forever. And I think yep. you can see that in a lot of people's actions. So I wouldn't be quick to hesitate and say one person made an awful mistake and that should that should really determine what the outcome of their literal life is. But – there are degrees to that, so I mean, um, I, I think it it depends. But I, I want to touch again on what you said there because um, you you were referring to like a theocracy and uh, not considering the Bible. Um, I think um, as Christians, and I mean, I go to a Christian college. Um, I've grown up in Christian spheres, so I've heard every viewpoint of this that there is. Um, I think there's a difference between instituting a theocracy and ruling by the Bible and um, like making sure that the Bible um, informs our morality to the point where we actually believe what we believe. So when I make the case for the death penalty, I'm not saying I think we should do, I think this country should be ruled like the Bible says. Yeah, I understand. I'm saying my morality is directly informed by what the Bible says, and I believe that in places like Romans 1, we see that, um, that like morally, it for me morally is it wrong for the death penalty to be a thing? I would say no. Now that's how I would vote. I'm not saying that's how it should be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so I'm yeah. not. I, I'm not demanding. I'm just saying that like, uh, like it or not, the Bible informs my morality, and I'm gonna vote using my morality in certain, in certain stances like this. So. Do I believe, at its foundation, the government using capital punishment is wrong, period? No. So that would be something that I would keep in there. Now, that does not mean that I want to replace the Bible or replace the Constitution with the Bible. Do I wish that every man and woman would turn and follow the Bible? Because I believe that um, that there is a creator, and I do believe that that would be the best decision everybody can make. Yeah, I do believe that, but 
that's that's not realistic as far as we go with autonomy and things. You can't force that on people because it's not going to work, that kind of thing. Um, and it's not right to force that on people. But I do think we have to be careful in how much we say we won't incorporate our beliefs into our political doings because when it comes down to it, if Christians are like, okay, uh, separation of church and state, I'm not going to let my religion interfere with how I view politics. Um, people don't actually do that. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I know it's like a really, really good like thought, but um, just, just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I can't use my beliefs whenever I'm deciding what I would like. So, I mean, an atheist is clearly going to believe things that they believe and everything that they vote is going to be based on that. So it's, I, I don't, I don't mean to get, uh, anything like that, but I'm sorry, my, my beliefs do like heavily inform what I believe on po politics because, um, if they didn't, do I really subscribe to those beliefs? That's how I view it. Okay. So, okay. So I'm going to give you my answer back to you about capital punishment. And then I'm going to give you my answer to that. And then I'm going to let Blake answer that. So about capital punishment, the one thing you didn't mention about it. So I'm, I'm a teetotaler against capital punishment in all cases okay. in our government. And my only reason, I don't think that, I don't think that I wouldn't be against it in certain situations, but hold on. My dogs are barking behind me. I'm sorry, guys. So, so the only reason that I'm against it and I'm a teetotaler against it is because, is because, um, the government gets so many things wrong, and you said that people should have an opportunity to develop themselves. I believe above that that people should have the opportunity to prove their innocence through appeals and, and legal action via the, the legal system. So I think that's the most important issue, and, and, and a capital punishment is very finite. And we know how, how inefficient, how immoral and how and how wrong our system is, you know, at every step of the way from the beat cop on the street to investigators to police chiefs to DAs to judges to district court judges all the way up to the Supreme Court. We know how, how immoral those people are. We know how evil and corrupt they are. And they, and they are. They are. They throw people in cages for things that never harmed a soul. You're an evil person if you do that. I could care less what argument you have. If you throw somebody in a cage or murder someone for not harming anyone, you are not a good person. So, so that's, that's kind of my answer. So I guess I would agree with you, but for different reasons. Now I'm going to move on to what you said about, you know, you have your beliefs and you should act on them. So I'm not saying that you can't, and I'm, I, I'm, and I'm not saying that, like, there's some rule against doing that. And I realize that what you said, in practicality, Christians vote on their beliefs. I, I would expect nothing less, just like atheists do. So my question is, the Christians have tried this for the last 100 years, and they've tried to use state power and voting on their beliefs as opposed to voting on small government laissez-faire uh, principles that will allow them to operate within their own sphere, within their own church, at an individual level without the help of the state and without the influence of the state. So I think that it is more dangerous when Christians really pursue their principles or, or what they want to see happen via like their religious beliefs through the state because that gives the state the power and then when that power turns around and and you just mentioned atheists i don't think atheists are bad i'm not not saying that for instance when the atheists get the levers of power 
everything that Christians have pushed on them with, with you know, the powers of the state, which they've increased, increased, increased to, 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 to push their Christian views on the populace and, and really make a society that they, they would like to live in via the, the force of the state, now the atheists have those levers of power. And, and guess what's coming down the pipeline of the Christians? And I think that's a dangerous back-and-forth game that I think the Christ, uh, you know, American Christianity has gotten very wrong and it started in the late 18 early 1900s with with the progressive you know baptist and 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 i think we're really seeing uh seeing some vast punishments from that now that the state is so large thanks to, thanks to those people pushing their religious beliefs via the state authorities and and now people who who detest us for what we believe have all the levers of power and that's my argument against you know voting or like voting on your religious beliefs i think that to preserve your opportunity to best operate within like your religious sphere and be an individual and worship your God inside your church. I think that you should not vote on your religious beliefs and just vote purely based on small government, laissez fair principles and, and non-interventionist by the federal and state government into your life. Blake, do you have anything to answer Mike? And then I'll give him a, give him a little bit to respond because I, I said more than I thought I was, but that's kind of my answer to that. Well, I actually think you're both arguing two slightly different things, because Cole, you're taking it from a more strategic, practical point, whereas Michael, I guess, was saying that in a matter of practicality and morality, it's fine for a Christian to vote based on its principles, just okay. like it's fine for somebody that read an economics textbook to vote based right. on what they read in the economics Okay, yeah, yeah, I understand that then. If that's what he's saying, I, I understand that. I was right. saying so, practically, yeah, I got you. Not, not to talk over, but... It, I'm not. What I'm not saying is that the Christians should, or that Christians or any other religious people should use the government as a mode or a weapon or as an agent for um, evangelism. That's yeah. not what I'm saying. Okay. What right. I am saying though is that um, my religion does inform. I mean, you asked at the beginning, like, what is your what is your meta narrative? What's your meta analysis? How do you view the world? Yeah. My religion informs everything, right? The way I believe, the way that I've discovered is true. So naturally, how I how I view certain things and how I view specific things will be based on that. It also views how I believe government should be run, but I don't use the government as an agent for, like, just making everything how I think it should be. Yeah. Okay. I understand. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, Like, so that's kind of what I was getting at. Thanks, Blake, for clearing that up because I think I think I was I was going to say something just to make sure, but that's something that I I do. I think it's dangerous to try to make the church, the state, the state, the church, which is what, which is what you were kind of getting at with the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds Protestants, really, really taking hold and going to the voting blocks and doing all this stuff. Um, I do think there is a line, and I'm not going to say it's morally wrong. I, it might just be ineffective, right? Yeah. So you maybe you're probably right that it's very ineffective. I don't know that I would call that morally wrong, because to a person's convictions, they can they can vote how they believe, but it, it's pretty ineffective. So thanks. Oh no, 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 no. I don't think I don't, just to, just to be clear, and I'm I'm glad we got that cleared up. So okay, actually, I might have said this wrong in the beginning. So at first, I wasn't saying that you shouldn't 
have laws that are loosely based on biblical principles because I think a lot of our laws come from biblical principles, in my opinion, just reading you know our, our founding history. What I was saying was I don't think that a biblical argument about capital punishment applies in this direct situation, but I think me and you kind of got confused. And I completely agree with you that there is no moral quandary at all about voting based on your religion. I, I don't think that that's wrong. I, I, I definitely don't. I vote on my I vote on my philosophical reasons because I prefer to lean on that. My political principles, and that is literally the same thing as voting on your religious principles. I mean, right. literally the same thing. So I yeah. So I'm, I'm glad we got that cleared up. Blake, do you have anything to add before we move on? I'm I'm glad you uh, cleared that up for us. I'm, I guess I I was mistaken a little bit. No, I think I think we're good. Okay. So, Michael. <laughs> Me and you have talked about this in the past, but I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. Kind of switching gears. Me and Blake are um, interested in the theory of anarcho-capitalism. And I wanted to hear maybe uh, what you like about it, or maybe you don't know much about it, and we can tell you a little bit about it, or, or whether you think that it could ever work, or, or, or do you think it would be a better system than what we have now? I mean, just like whatever your thoughts about anarcho-capitalism are, let us hear them and we can just talk about it because I, I want to hear your thoughts about it. We've had an interesting conversation in the past. For the sake of uh, all being on the same page, could just give a quick rundown of what anarcho-capitalism is. Blake, would you, and would what you it like would to? Look like, and then I'll kind of give my assessment. Like, that would be a good thing for you to do. You're smart. He is smart. Well, an anarcho-capitalist society would essentially be a governmentless, stateless society that is run off of contracts and a respect for private property in its most basic form. Yeah, and actually it doesn't have to be necessarily stateless. It's just got to be forceless, I guess. Right, yeah. Well, okay, I would yeah, I mean, stateless force. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I, so, yeah, you're right. Um, but I, what I mean is like a municip like there's in theory like a municipality or like a, like a town could probably oh, sure, be a voluntary yeah. yeah so compact. so so just kind of clear that up for Michael like there could like people could definitely form a group or a tribe but but in theory it's that you you must not use force against another everything's based on like Blake said voluntary exchange and social contracts and uh, and um, and uh, the free market so. That's, right. Yeah, I think so, said it well. at, at a baseline, looking at it, um, it it's honestly I I like the way it sounds. Right, um, you have autonomy; people can make their own decisions. Um, you don't have to worry about the government uh, reaching into your pocket, uh, taking some money just because you exist. Um, you don't have to worry about uh, walking down or like that. You could have certain things like. You don't have to worry about that government overreach. It sounds really good, and I think um, it sounds so good that um, ideologically it might be spot on. It allows freedom for what you would like to do, where you want to be. But practically, I think that it would be almost completely unattainable. I think because, and I think, I think we can have this discussion about so many. Um, wide-ranging theories about politics and society and um, humanity, um, so many things sound so good. I'm going to be straight up with you. It sounds awesome if we could have like a society where everybody just kind of did their own thing 
and there was like a group of people who like we all gave a certain amount to and then we all made the same thing and no and everybody got to live a good life no matter what you oh know yeah what i'm saying you're talking about, you're talking socialism about, yes or socialism or communism like that's right, right. like in in a completely ideal world like i agree like that sounds great like wouldn't it just be nice if we didn't we didn't if we didn't have to worry about homeless people and if we didn't have to worry about people dying because they can't afford certain things? I'm not going to say the healthcare word because Cole, I know that'll get you a little riled up at this point, but I think I think it's very very utopian feeling, much like a lot of things, and which is why I think like it's a really fun conversation to have because in that world. Um, I can build my house and I can do what I want on my private property. Um, but the way human depravity works, uh, because I do believe that like every person is depraved, meaning that we are like humans by nature are just bad. Genuinely. Like we're going to make, we're going to do bad things. People are going to kill people. People are going to hurt people. People are going to steal. I, and that's why, that's why government, socialist governments have never worked. That's why Venezuela is in poverty right now, because people suck, honestly. And so I think because of our human depravity, um, that's why our uh, bigger, big-ish government has kind of actually been successful to a certain extent. Um, and we've been able to develop and innovate um, while having, some, having to endure some overreach. Um, because I think because of human depravity and how people just like suck sometimes, like that would cause problems really quickly if you get what I'm saying. So I think it's ideal and I think that sounds amazing and I like it. And I think, oh, that promotes innovation and individuality and all of that good jazz. But at the same time, I do believe it's completely unattainable, if that makes sense. So. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I've heard many of these concerns. I just, I'm sure Blake would say the same. I completely disagree with you on a few things. Like, like when you compare it to, in theory, because I agree with you, in theory, communism sounds like a great thing, to be honest with you. But, from what I'm sure all three of us would agree, and all of our listeners would agree, communism is is antithetical to, to human nature. Whereas, competition free markets and private exchange is not in, in, in that environment, people, people have, people have the, the incentives to, to protect themselves, to trade with others peacefully. And, 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 and whenever, even if you are going to perpetrate a crime, you understand that when you are perpetrating a crime, there's a higher chance for you yourself to be harmed, you know, by nature of committing a crime. And, and, and people have the incentive to protect themselves. I think that is human nature. I think it's human nature to compete with others. I do think hierarchies human nature, but I don't think the state is natural. I think anarchism is, is, is like what we're doing now. You know, I have some, like, I have a little bit of semblance of power because it's happening on my, this podcast is on my computer. <laughs> but other than that, we're, we're just three guys that showed up and had a conversation. Like, this is, we're in an anarchist state right now. We're exchanging ideas. There's nobody holding a gun to each other's head or forcing anybody to be here, and and I think that anarchism is 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 the the natural setting in which humans humans flourish. And 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 my reasoning for that is is you said if humans you said humans are, are 
you know, there's humans have depravity and I completely agree with that. But my question to you would be if, if humans are depraved, why give a certain group of humans, the monopoly on violence, the ability to, to perpetrate crimes against the lower caste of people, because in essence, a government is a higher a caste of people. And, and why, why if humans are depraved to give, give a certain group power over another group, I think that's more idealistic that, that, that those humans won't prey upon that power. I think that it's less idealistic that humans will operate in an environment where nobody holds power over nobody. And yes, I, I know that it's not utopian and people are going to harm other people, but, but look around, man, we, we have a ton of crime now. And, and not only that, we have a huge federal government who perpetrates crime on us every day. So not only do you have to worry about private crime, but you have to worry about the federal and state governments committing crimes against you or creating crimes in that black market vacuum that they created themselves through, you know, unjust laws that, that target nonviolent criminals. And I, and I would just turn the question to you is I think that it's more idealistic to believe that, that the state with that group of people with an monopoly on violence who are depraved would not take advantage of that power and become, um, draconian so so that's kind of my question to you is 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 if, if you think it's idealistic then why give depraved people the monopoly on violence over other innocent people i think i think it comes down to um a bit like okay let's say if tomorrow we could snap our fingers and we were in in an anarchist capitalist system oh it all fall apart like we're talking about what's up i said it would all fall apart <laughs> if we just snapped it tomorrow, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, it would all fall apart. Right, right, right. right. Um, and to think that I, 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 I love, I love the thought of it because it seems so freeing and so liberating, and it very well in an ideal society may be. But um, what's to say you? Like I think we've seen throughout throughout history, right? Um, go back as far as history books and ancient books take us. Um, this has never happened, right? This isn't something that people have been like, oh, yeah, we'll just, like, live beside each other and be fine. There has always been government. There has always been rulers. Well, uh, actually. the beginning of time. I, I dis- right? Well, I disagree with that. Just to interject. It starts fact. with, like, like, it starts with, like, if you think back now, there wasn't a full, like it wasn't like democracy or anything, but like you would have a tribe leader, right? Well, how did he become tribe leader? Oh, like he just decided, and then everything fell to him. So this way back in the day, same thing with kings and pharaohs and emperors and things like that. Um, naturally, human nature. Uh, and what is the only exception? The only exception that I can even muster up or think of would be intensely religious societies. So societies like the Christians, societies like the Christians who had a God-appointed leader, um, but he had no judgmental standard over anyone. They answered to God, and he was just a spokesperson. You talk about um, the Israelites with Moses, uh, the way we believe that that worked. Um, That's about as close as you would get to it, but I don't... I'm not sure that there is such thing. Like I, I think human nature, somebody's going to come out on top, right? And that, like the biggest, strongest dude is going to rule. And, and in that kind of society, without some sort of 
And that's why people have always created government, or that's why it's always, or why a hierarchy like that has been created, is because uh, what did, what happened with the Israelites? They got the biggest, strongest, best-looking man and put him in charge. You know what I'm saying? And so when things like that, I just think that that's human nature. And I'm I'm actually willing to say that as it sits right now, America has quite clearly got has has one of the best systems that's ever been created as far as giving autonomy and freedom to the people while also um, having some sort of structured government. And I, I think and I, what I'm not saying is that in an ideal world, anarchist capitalism where I, I, I know I'm going to do right, and so that would be really nice to have, but humans are depraved. And I think that that depravity always leads to some sort of government or ruler or king yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree that that depravity leads to, to government because the reason why, in my opinion, is that is not our natural state. But but the biggest, strongest, immoral man who decides he wants to take control, it is in his interest to set up a government because it is very hard to raid. Because the nature of the state or some state apparatus is, is a predatory relationship with, with the people they rule. So raiding parties is much harder than instituting yourself over farmers who will grow you that food and you can take, you know, their production off the top. Would you agree with that? That is, it's much more easy. So, so I think that the reason why you, you, you think that it's natural for humans to organize in governmental systems is because evil humans have made other humans organize in governmental systems. I think that those are predatory beings. And I think that that if humans were more educated on the subject and allowed themselves, like allowed a more open mind to, to, because we've only grown up in a system where the state is, is our God basically. And I think if humans were able to break those mental chains and, and imagine a world where, where we, we base our society off free interactions between equal human beings, there's no, and maybe not socially or maybe not financially. I'm not saying everybody has to be equal in that matter, but equal as in, one cannot use force over the other. That's what I mean. I, I, I think that is our natural state. And I think that depraved humans have set up governments to prey on innocent or, or weaker people. And I think that that, that inherently is wrong. And that is, not, that is not the natural state of humans. And I would say that every country in the world you know, for, for a very long time was in a state of anarchy. Ireland for hundreds and hundreds of years was in a state of anarchy and they had their own legal systems and they had their own tribal systems where they uh, settled disputes via arbitration. The Greek states were really like, I know people would make the case like if, if America was decentralized, we wouldn't be able to stop a great power from invading us. I completely disagree with that. The Greek states stood for years and years and, 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 and defeated one of the greatest empires to ever stand, maybe other than America or the Soviet Union. And, and, and I, I just think that, that in our natural state, we are all anarchists. And I, and I think that, that it's not allowed to be, uh, it's not, we, we've not allowed it to be tried because we've been convinced at such a young age that the people above us are there for our, for our benefit. And in reality, the, the nature of a state is conquest and submission. And, and depraved humans who are bigger or stronger or has more funds or has more resources will take advantage of innocent people and, 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 and it makes them a lot easier to, to swipe the production off the top from those people, in my opinion. Blake, you haven't really gotten anything to say about it. You, you can kind of interject, you know, agree with whoever you want. Yeah, I mean, it's important to remember that 
people that um, promote an anarcho-capitalist society aren't saying that it's going to be a utopia without any type of problems, without yeah. sickness, death, stealing, whatever. But on the contrary, the, the world we have now is full of that already. And you made the point I was going to that government to me is, isn't a reaction or a block to depravity, but rather a result of extreme human depravity. Yep. And something I've thought about, I haven't thought about enough to probably articulate it well, but that government is really a, a, a primitive primitive reaction to human depravity. Now we've got, well, I think there'd be better ways to handle it yeah. in, a, in a free society like you talked about. Yeah, I, I understand. Right. And, and, I'm sorry. And but... I see where you guys are coming from, and that's why I'm saying, like, I do think it's ideal. I just don't, I don't see a way in which... Um, it's attainable for us now specifically. Um, I think it's a great idea, and I think if you had, like, if you took somebody who is very well versed and like knew how this would work in and out, and you could just like somehow create a new society and start from scratch, um, it would be really interesting to see. Um, but so that's why I'm saying like it's un it's unattainable. It, it won't happen because it would be really really hard to make that happen because you could say, oh, secession, like let's just do it ourselves in North Carolina, for example. And the second we do that, who's to stop somebody from, who's to stop the United States of America minus North Carolina from saying, now we want you back, we'll just put you under control, that kind of thing. So yeah, that would and be a, I that think would be gotten to the point though. where... It, right, and I, I agree. Oh, you're saying it's just it, not practical right now. Happen. It yeah, is, it's not practical yeah. at all, and that's saying. why I say. But I think it could it's, be it's in twenty like to thirty years. Happen. Yeah, I think it could be in twenty to thirty years, though. Um, and this, it would take. This is what I'm saying. I think I it think, would take a, like a complete governmental breakdown from the top all the way to the bottom, where nobody took control, and there was like it's going to take like a real moment of mass hysteria across all of the North American continent for anything like that, in my opinion. I, I think like that... Like, it's going to have to take something completely catastrophic. I think that we're seeing, though, that the, that the state, is, like, the emperor wears no clothes, you know. I think that, that the state is crumbling. The apparatuses that the state has built around itself are crumbling. I think that there's more and more people talking about decentralization, talking about secession, talking about nullification. And I think that... That people saw, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of great words to say about Donald Trump, but the great thing about Donald Trump is he exposed the absolute hate and like indignancy that that the establishment has for people like you and I, who who largely supported Donald Trump, and 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 I think that people understand that now, and and what I'm saying is is and what Blake I guess was trying to say, I understand what you're saying that if North Carolina said we're going to secede, but I think that. So, so, so you're coming from the mindset that, like you said, if somebody was very smart and they could articulate these things and kind of hammer down what the society would look like, the, the important thing to recognize is, is the whole point of the society is that nobody will get to do that. So, so, so you get to make right, that decision for you and your family. who tells people that it's like that? Who tells people that it's like that, though? Well, I mean, obviously you would need the state well, to – natural... like, the state's not going to give up their power. So, so you're right on that. There would have to be some catastrophic event or some violent revolution. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. The state's not going to give up their power because they're they're depraved humans who have taken power and and they are in a beneficial state of of not a symbiotic relationship with us, but but a parasitic relationship with us. Blake, what were you going to say? Uh, 
I was just going to say the natural state of human beings, though, is to work in its own self-interest and make decisions for himself, not wait for some some higher power or government or whatever to tell them what they need to do and what they can do. Correct. And that's and that's really been, you know, and the state works to, to, to curve that inclination because it is in, benef- in the benefit of the state that the people rely on them. And and we're kind of getting hung up, I guess, because you're saying that. I, I just think that, like, I think that what we have now, I, I just think that you're giving it too much credit, man. Like, we have the largest prison industrial complex in the world. We have human beings in cage for smoking a plant for the rest of their lives, dude. I, I, I think that right, that and but to me to me that's a completely different discussion because do I think this country can operate and fix that problem? Yeah, I do. I think I think when you get to talking about things like the war on drugs and what should and should not be legal, I think you can kinda like of course I think more and more people now think like, okay, like maybe they sh- these people shouldn't be in jail for doing something that's no worse than drinking alcohol. You know what I'm saying? Well, so like that's legal, one's not, and so we're putting people in jail. So like that's one thing. I think those issues can be hashed out. And the way the reason our government has fallen off is because we have given them too much power. You know what I'm saying? So now like that stuff is really hard to change because there's people in high places who just want to do what they want to do. So I understand what y'all are saying. Okay. But but so that's the nature of the state. Like though. we've gotten to the point. You understand right. what I'm saying? I understand. I understand. But again, back back to what we're saying, that human depravity will create some sort of something like that. So it might not be as complex as the American governmental system, but it might be as simple as um, I'm working for my own self benefit. So I, I think I have a few cows. I want to make my cows and let them roam. Oh, I need more land. I need to take that person's land. You know what I'm saying? And in my human depravity, I can do that. And so then that, like, I think eventually that will boil over into things like slavery and intense servanthood. And then you start, to, like, that hierarchy starts to form. And whenever that happens, you get oppression. You get what I'm saying? But, but so we've had oppression. Ma- I feel like eventually human... You know, we've had oppression for, for thousands of years under large state apparatuses. The Egyptians had slaves. The Persians had slaves. The Assyrians had slaves. The English had slaves. The Americans had slaves. The French, you know what I'm saying? So, like, so, so your concerns to me, and this is, you know, I'm not attacking you or anything. They're just not, they're not valid because, because the state has proven that they've done all these things that are your inhibitions that might theoretically happen in an anarchist society. But in an anarchist society, you would have the freedom of movement to leave these troubled places, to go to a more peaceful place that's more beneficial for your family. Sorry, I didn't know if you were going to add something else. If I, if you were, I didn't mean to cut you off. But that's, you know, that, that stuff has happened in, in large state apparatuses all throughout history, is oppression and, and violence against innocent people. Right, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is that what you're saying sounds so good? Like, yeah. It's like if I if I thought that that was possible, and honestly, thinking about it, like I would 100% support a society starting like that and everybody being on the same page and understanding, like, hey, if there's a problem, we can just kind of um, talk about it, or we could fight, or we could have like an arbitrary like where like another member of the community comes in and kind of helps us hash it out. But I think that would be awesome. And I think that's really ideal. But I also, I just think that's, I just think it's impractical. And I think if it was practical, 
it probably would have been done by now, genuinely. I think it's something that, um, it, it like, going back, I mean, you, I, I'm going to keep kind of hammering this home because everybody's always going to work, work in their own interests. Yeah. So as a human being, but if, if I'm bigger, stronger, faster than everybody else, my human interest is, oh, I can kind of do whatever I want because nobody can take me down. Correct. You know but, what I'm saying? But if you're and bigger, so, stronger, faster, but it would also, you know, as a corollary, if you were oppressing me and Blake because you're stronger than me or you're stronger than Blake, it would be in my and Blake's interest to to combine arms and defeat you. And that's just, that's that's human nature. That's the whole point of anarcho-capitalism is people will act in their self-interest, and their self-interest is safety, security, uh, to beat their peers in competition, and, and to be, you know, to, to have their needs met via, you know, financial means right and and how but in in my view so let's see how this plays out okay i think i can take over you you say no i got blake i say no i got john boy down the street you know what i'm saying and so eventually what do we have we have two big groups of people led by me and you and then whoever wins that person's pretty much in charge you know what i'm saying so like the way that that plays out unless somehow people were just rational like super rational in their like one-on-one and whatever happens is done or we can really trust that this one person is going to be completely unbiased in this situation and what i'm saying is that would be dope and i think that would be cool i just think it's very impractical so so okay let me uh, we can get off this subject because we're kind of well, i do want blake to have a chance to respond because i mean you've kind of been talking over him for a second but what you just said about you get john boy down the street and, and it progresses from there you know what that sounds like to me that sounds like a much less violent and a much less catastrophic war that states have every day and millions of people die every few years from wars between states because states are evil apparatuses and, and the whole point of a state is to gain advantage over another state and to gain advantage over their own citizens. So that's kind of my last thing I'm going to say on it. I go, we're not going to change your mind because I understand what you're saying. It is very idealistic on the face, but I would also say that statism is very idealistic. Blake, do you have anything to add? I think that Michael's made some good points, for sure. I would concede no, that he, he has. He cert- yeah, he certainly has. And it sounds like he's he's not arguing anything about the ethics and morality yeah. of it. It's just simply the, the pragmatic nature of it. No, I understand. Is, like I, I just say, think it's a cool conversation. Yeah. I'm sorry, Blake, what were you saying? No, that was all. I mean, there's been plenty of writing on it. Probably not enough to go through tonight. Oh, no, for sure. I mean, we're episode, definitely going to do but, an episode on this. Honestly, yeah. we could have Michael and Keaton talk to us about this because Keaton was I very interested in this discussion as well. Yeah. So, so Michael, I understand all of your inhibitions, really. I just kind of would make the counter-argument that everything you say could happen under anarchist societies has happened at a much higher magnitude via centralization under state apparatuses. So, so that's kind of my last word on it. And, you know, obviously we're not going to agree. You agree idealistically. I understand your inhibitions, you know. And I just think that, right. you know, I think the conversation's interesting, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too. And it's really cool to think about a world like that because essentially, and this might be one of the dumbest things I've ever said, especially where for people to hear publicly, but, like, you essentially create Minecraft in a certain way. Um, <laughs> like, like genuinely, like, everybody's kind of... No, yeah, no, no, that makes their sense. Builds their stuff. Like, it, it's that kind of thing. Um, but I, 
I, I think that's just might be the simplest way I've ever explained anything ever. So, yeah. but th- I got to think about that a second. Like, genuinely, it would be like dropping us all into a world and being like, all right, build your stuff. Let's see, get the biggest house. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but then it but, might turn the war zone is what you're saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, okay. So we're going to move on video from that. Game talk. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to move on from that. I promise you we're going to have an anarcho capitalism podcast with me and Blake defending uh-huh. our views, like really in the nitty gritty, like how this would work. The mechanic, uh, as David Freeman's book is called, the, me- well, the mechanics of, of machinery of freedom, the machinery of freedom. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and, and that book really hammers down a lot of this and, and we can really talk about this. I would love to have Michael and Keaton on the kind of debate this with us. We could talk for, I don't know. I think this is a, an extremely interesting conversation. One that needs to be had because it's obvious that what we have now isn't exactly working for us. So, but we can we can move on. I'm I'm glad I was glad to hear Michael's thoughts and you know some some logical inhibitions to or you know to to anarcho capitalism that people can think through. Michael, what are your thoughts on uh, January sixth? So we really me and Blake were talking about this today. We really haven't touched on this a ton on the podcast. Oh wow! And me and yeah, you had talked about fun. this when it happened. And I wanna I wanna hear what you have well what your thoughts are. And then I've got something else to add after you. I'm going to let you and Blake kind of talk this one out because Blake hasn't gotten a lot of chance to jump in on a few things. So, Okay, so again, just to be clear, we're talking about when the capital was kind yes. of rushed, right? Yes. Okay, good. Glad to know that I still know my calendar and when stuff happens. Um, oh, there's, there's two completely separate ways that I come at this, right? One is kind of stems from the same train of thought that I just had in our previous conversation, um, where, like, that's not the way we do things, because if we want our government to work, there's no point in completely going in and trashing it, and then violence and people getting hurt, and then what do we have to show for it? Uh, Just some videos of dudes standing in the Speaker of the House's chair. You know what I'm saying? And I think that uh, that violence and that stuff... like, did it work? No. Uh, was it bad? Yes. It put the country in kind of like hysteria for a second. Nobody knew what was going on. I was working when it happened, and uh, I happened to be working in someone's house um, doing some painting, and they actually had it on the TV in like a side room. And I'm going to be completely honest, I didn't get any work done for like 10 minutes because I was listening to Fox News talk about this. And uh, so, on one hand, I believe, okay that's awful especially if it was like incited and it was organized like an attack on our government that's awful and then i have this small little i guess you could call it anarchist part of my brain and for the government people who are listening to me talk right now and will try to um, eventually ruin my career with this i'm not saying that i want us to overthrow the government that's not what i'm saying at all oh we're not either but but a part of what a part of that was I mean, like, did the government kind of bring that on themselves? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think eventually something was going to happen. Do I think that in some way something like that could be beneficial? Also, probably yes. I mean, we did fight a revolutionary war. Where we looked at the government that was ruling us and said, yeah, we're sick of this. Now, I understand it's a little different because we were just being like, oh, they stole our president. We want to keep the same thing in. We just want a different guy ruling it. Um, like, so I see yeah, it's different. But ha- like for me to sit here and love my country like I do and also say that uh, the people shouldn't fight for what they believe, 
uh, that's kind of contradictory because uh, in, uh, in 1775 and 1776, I probably wouldn't have been out there with a musket shooting some redcoats. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you would so, have been called a terrorist. Right, right. And just like, just like, I like me and Cole definitely on that day we did refer to people as terrorists and things like that. No, 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 no. I refer well, to I them as fascists. Yeah, <laughs> we did. We used the word fascist. We didn't use the word terrorist. That would have been kind of explosive. No pun yeah. intended. Um, but I think, I think on one hand, I want to preserve what's left of the good parts of our government, and on the other hand. I'm saying, well, we've done this before, and it kind of worked, so I'm not going to sit here and say it's deplorable, but at the same time, what I think they were fighting for, I hate, so I don't like it. Yeah. Blake, do you have anything to add on that? I I agree with you. I, I was kind of repulsed by it as well. For for Honestly, not even for the same reasons you said, more so that, that the people that were out there honestly had no clue why they were out there they had yet to see any evidence for the reason why they were protesting they 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 really had no clue what was going on and this was all really it felt like orchestrated by donald trump and not his political leaders inside the congress more so but more so like his political leaders like his pundits to me that's what it felt like blake do you have anything to add on that yeah that was that was my main takeaway as well um I love the country too. I love America. It's a great place to live. I love the history of it. I love DC for its history, not the people that live there. Yeah, please, but, um, CIA, uh, NSA, like y'all guys are listening to this. Like, don't don't ruin my career. No, no, no. Hey, uh, no, 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 no. Like, CIA, please, please come, come give me come give me the uh, journalist of the year award by shooting me in the head and throwing me in a ditch, please. They wouldn't do All something right. like that, Cole. What? Yeah, you're, I'm crazy. Anyway, as I was saying, I do love the government. I mean, I love the country. I hate the government. So on one hand, the fact to see them scared a little bit make me happy. But like you said, Cole, like you said, Michael, the reason for doing it over a, a conspiracy theory that nobody had seen any evidence over, that was troubling. If it was something like income taxes or <laughs> the warfare state, I'd... I'd probably be a lot more excited about it. Yeah, I, um, I agree. Is it, and okay, so switching I, gears. I'm sorry, Blake. What were you I don't think say? Blake was finished. But the the re, the reaction to it since then has been a whole other oh. uh, cluster. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I don't think it was a terrorist attack. It was some some rednecks with some flags and stupid hats walking through a building, and I think it's been taken advantage of to paint a broader picture of America as a as a to have a bigger terrorist quote terrorist presence in a presence in America than uh than there actually is. So I would even say that that the response to it is probably more dangerous than what actually happened at the Capitol. Right, absolutely. But uh, uh, so so I do want to switch gears because we've all three disparaged the Capitol rioters. But now I'm going to passionately come on their defense because there are still people who are at that or at the Capitol building who are arrested on that day who are being kept in solitary confinement in Washington, D.C., who are awaiting trial. They have one hour a day to shower, interact with humans and talk to their lawyer. And guess who hasn't said a word about it? Donald Trump. Big D. None of the pundits, none of the congressmen who are really pushing this narrative. They've not said a word. But Elizabeth Warren has, top Democrats have, they've said, get these people out of solitary confinement, give these people a trial. 
And that's very telling of Donald Trump. If nothing else, I'm telling you what, man, that gets me fired up. Because I don't care who you are, I'll defend your liberty and I'll defend your natural rights as a human being. Even if I completely disagree with you, I'll defend that. And the fact that Donald Trump hasn't even mentioned it, it honestly makes me sick to my stomach. I'm sure, Blake, you have something to add to that. But it makes me, it, it really, it, it, that, that gets me heated. Yeah, well, that, that's indicative of a point I've made throughout the Trump presidency, that he actually doesn't care about any of these no, people. No, of course not. And it, it, was always, it was always naive of his, his big supporters, his cultists, as I call them, that a geriatric billionaire from New York was going to care about any, any, anybody, any redneck from the South. I don't, I don't use redneck disparagingly. I'd probably say I'm a redneck myself. But, um, yes, you're a very intelligent it, one. Yeah. It was just, it was naive. And that, like I said, that was the worst part of the January 6th riot, quote, riot was the the reason behind it yeah uh, well i mean just like I, I just i just think it's absolutely disgusting that those people but i just oh man it makes me so mad they didn't harm a fly most of them and they're being held in solitary confinement i just and they're still right. being hunted down oh yeah today. oh yeah for sure every day and it just literally it disgusts me like it legitimately disgusts me that i live in this country that does that to people and that donald trump has yet to say a word about it but top democrats have that disgusts me about him, or, uh, you know, regarding him. Yeah, and y'all are also, getting pushback from me on that. I mean, yeah. honestly, I haven't really even thought about the riots since then because I, I genuinely didn't think that that would happen. Um, but I, if that's happening, I mean, like, of course, like, that's wrong. Like, uh, like I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that. Uh, they probably should have been escorted out of there and moved back a few blocks for sure from the Capitol building. Maybe even I'm not sure in prison. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, throw them in the drunk tank. Get all the yeah. drunk people out, put them in the drunk tank. You know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, for them to be in solitary confinement, I mean, is the dude with the big horns and the antlers? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So, like, he looks a little bit different in a jumpsuit. But I've read multiple right. articles about this because I had heard this through the grapevine and then I went and did some investigation myself and I said, I'm bringing this up on the podcast because right, I'm telling right. you, man, this gets me fired up. Number one, I mean, that guy probably should have spent a night in jail because he did not look like he was being, being very nice and he looked like he could have been dangerous. Also, number two, I totally would have worn that outfit on July 4th. 100%. Michael, Michael, I thought it was no. you when I saw him on TV. <laughs> <laughs> like 1000% man if somebody laid that on my doorstep on July 4th and said here wear this I'd have put that back I, I might have gone up to the Capitol building with it on probably not barge my way in but I would have celebrated America dressed like that yeah <laughs> that's funny um, but so uh, the sorry, response Mike. the response to the January 6th stuff is indicative of how much the government will pursue a perceived slight against them compared to what how they pursue slights against the common people in a murder or a theft or whatever because oh, they yeah. they've hunted down people for walking through a building for going on what six months now yeah and you know how they investigate right. things that that affect the common people <laughs> well yeah. at least they don't care as much about finding them as they do about finding illegal immigrants because i mean if they did that they'd all be in jail by now or in cages yeah. maybe i don't know well one party cares about finding illegal immigrants the other party cares about finding the, the people who filled or who who had a failed coup that you know by happenstance didn't bring any weapons to said coup <laughs> but <laughs> you know we, we can move on from this before this podcast gets taken off apple but uh <laughs> okay so i'm gonna ask you guys a question do you guys want to keep going for a few more minutes or do you want to end it here 
I've got a few more questions I think would be interesting, and I've got time, but we can we can end it if you, th- you guys think it's going a little bit long. I, I say, I mean, I've listened to a few two-hour podcasts in my life, so I'd say I say I got a few minutes. Left. I think this like, one's good. I think this one's very yeah. interesting when we've discussed some some complex issues, and and you know we've disagreed, which is always a good thing. So. What do you guys think? So, so right now it's very interesting to me because I'm 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 kicking around the idea of writing a book about it. So I just bought a couple books about it. Is is nuclear war, and 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 me and Blake talked about this the other day. What what do you think? Uh, like, how moral is it to drop a nuclear weapon? How was it moral for America to drop a nuclear weapon on on Japan? Disclaimer: I think not, but you might disagree. And, and 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 what kind of like uh, fail-safe options should we have in America? Like, I don't think that one man should be able to launch these nuclear weapons. And, and so, what kind of what are your thoughts on nuclear weapons in general? How they've shaped our society since their inception, and and kind of, you know, the morality of using such a such a tool against other human beings. Uh, you guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, I was just making sure I my headphones is something funny. Um, I think it is not entirely immoral because I would say that um, any argument you made for it being immoral, which I assume comes from uh, the long-standing issues it causes with innocent population and such, um, it like I hate to say it, but like it's the 21st century we don't line up in straight lines across from each other and say charge anymore. So unless, unless you're able to like 100% um, make sure there's zero civilians anywhere near somewhere you're attacking. um, I think it's pretty, I think the way America used it, because if I'm not mistaken, we pretty much just dropped those bombs on cities. Oh, we did. Yeah. And the just targeting. I'm sorry. Give me give me a second. The justification for that was is that Japanese homes and Japanese manufacturing was decentralized. So in these homes, they were making weapons of war, which might have had some merit, but that did not. We can get into this later. I want to hear the rest of what you're saying. But yes, that's why they dropped them on cities. You are correct on that. Yeah. So they dropped them on cities. I'm gonna say probably not a good idea. Now, um, I would say that's probably pretty immoral because. Um, you're not at that point. You're they took millions of innocent lives um, with those bombs. Well, um, it wasn't and millions, maybe and, but yeah. uh, lots. Yeah, like, like I mean, three hundred, four hundred thousand. Yeah, so many innocent lives. Probably some non-innocent lives. You probably want like you definitely won the war doing it. Um, I'm not going to say it's completely immoral. I think there might be situations um, where they should be used. I think it is really scary that these bad boys are just like floating around in just about all of the prominent governments in the world and even ones who are like, yeah, we want to have war. That's scary. Um, which is, uh, which like leads me to like, okay, in America, should, should one person have that thing? And uh, I'm going to be really simple again because I like doing things like this. Um, if you've seen the movie, uh, what is it, uh, White House Down or Olympus Has Fallen? I think it's Olympus Has Fallen. Um, yeah, like, I know this is a movie, stick with me. Um, in the movie, the, the whole point of it was to, like, get the nuclear codes and send out all of our nuclear weapons, that kind of thing. Um, but in the movie, they had, like, this fail-safe thing where, like, four people had different codes and they all had to put it in at the same time and somebody had to do, like, a fingerprint. 
you know, I don't know how complex nuclear systems are. I don't know how complex the systems are where you can, like, set these things off. I think something like that is probably really, really smart. Um, having, like, seven or eight people who um, are pretty uh, pretty well-respected, and they all have to be like, yeah, this is a good idea. This is an acceptable time. Um, but it should, like, we just be like, oh, hey, uh, Big Joe, uh, you get the code uh, whenever you feel like it. You, you send that bad boy over on Iran. That's not a good idea. Just eating his Dairy Queen ice cream as he punches in the codes. <laughs> right, right, right. He's sit, sitting on the floor uh, reading Dr. Seuss books. And uh, Let me tell you about he actually punches kids. in the numbers. Oh, my goodness. But, but yeah, so I think I'm not going to say they're outrightly immoral because they're pretty effective. And when it comes to war, I mean – I'm not. I don't think war is inherently immoral because I mean, if somebody bombed Pearl Harbor, I'd probably pretty be pretty upset and want to go back at him too. Um, yes, but, but uh, okay, okay. So there is a, there is there's a, a very distinct difference. There is Pearl Harbor was a military target. These atomic bombs right. were dropped on civilians indiscriminately. There's no argument ahead. And, that, had on and that. that's what I'm saying. That that's wrong. Like that, I would say that's immoral. Would it be immoral to drop it on, like, a moving army as they're moving through, like, coming to attack you? I'm not so sure I'm willing to say that's immoral. Should we avoid that if we can just, like, take them out? Probably. But, I don't know, I'm not going to sit here and say that nuclear war, nuclear warheads or nuclear bombs are completely immoral. I mean, I think, I think they're pretty useful. I think they can win wars. I think that they are scary, though. Like, that genuinely scares me. Yeah. To a point where, like, it makes me uncomfortable because sitting here thinking, like, all it would take is for the president of Iran to get a little tipsy and one of the... Well, they don't have have nuclear weapons. Or whoever, like, any of those countries that do to, like, make one bad decision and launch one of the bad boys. And then we are in, I mean, especially being on the East Coast, like, we we have a problem. You know what I'm saying? Well, the world's over. Yeah, that's scary. I don't like that thought. But, I mean, it's... As far as, like, innovation and technology when it comes to war goes, I mean, I think that they should be, like, limited on, like, um, like, I think it's a, uh, my thoughts are intersecting here because of my disdain for big government and my want for people to be safe. So, like, I, I hate the fact that nuclear warheads are so widespread, but also at the same time, I like the fact that we have a couple in our back pocket, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So... I'm not going to say they're immoral. I'm not going to say they should be used. I'm not going to say that everybody should have one, but I'm also not going to say that we should strictly limit everything that everybody has, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, it, it does. And and what you said of, to, to what you were saying about it being scary, but you hadn't thought about it in probably how long until I asked you that question, had you? I, I try not to. Yeah, so... last time. I literally watched Olympus says Fallen a few weeks ago, and I thought about it, and I was like, that would suck. So that's so so that's why I'm, I am kicking around the early part of this book that I'm thinking about writing, because it is like it is a book to awake people to the the absolute catastrophic power that seven or eight men hold around the world. That scares me, right. and, and and yeah, I I would say that what we did to Japan, well, I would say dropping bombs like that indiscriminately is is immoral. Period. Just because I don't think that. That, that kind of warfare is moral. I don't think killing civilians is moral, period. 
I think that you, right. sh- you should allow the other side to do it if they want to be immoral and respond to that. But uh, it's just kind of a fun question. Blake, what do you think about nuclear weapons? Well, I mean, I'd agree with Michael that strategically they're a good deterrent, I guess. Even yeah. though the deterrent says mutually assured destruction, which, I mean, that's not a great outcome. But no. I guess I would disagree on him in that I think nuclear weapons are inherently immoral by nothing more than the fact that they're uh, they're guaranteed to indiscriminately cause collateral damage wherever they're dropped. Yeah, that, that's my... Uh, that's my I can't imagine us but. having this conversation, like, during the Cold War. Yeah, like, so that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, imagine sitting there and, like, you're just, like, sitting at dinner with your family and you're like, well, tonight could be the night. Like, like yeah. some dude's going to go crazy and shoot a nuke at us and then, well, it's going to be minus two degrees outside all the time and everybody's going to die probably. Like, well, that's scary. Our- our argument would still stand that that was immoral because the only reason those countries had that and that situation evolved like it did is because the United States decided to use two atomic bombs in World War II. And from then on right. became a, a heated arms race between America and Soviet Union. So there. are we saying that the Manhattan Project is possibly the most immoral thing ever done? No, no, I'm not going to say that <laughs> because I understand the justifications. I really do because p- right, the justification right. is if not atomic bombs – Invasion of mainland Japan. And if you look at Okinawa and Tarawa, <laughs> you're, you, I mean, that's that's a, a, a that's scary. And Iwo Jima, I mean, those those are heavy casualties that, that the American the American people weren't ready to, to lose. But I think that, as, as a TV show that I used to watch used to say, if somebody points a gun at your head, you have more than two options. I don't think America necessarily had to invade mainland Japan or drop the atomic bombs. As crazy as that sounds. But, but I do understand the argument. So, no, I'm not going to say that. It was just kind of – I'm not even really that bent on it. I, I'm going to – like I said, I got some books coming in about it, which I know you say I do not read. So, yeah, I forgot about I that. I never want to see you read. So. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. I completely forgot about that. But, yeah, so, so I'm going to try to dig deep into this question because it really interests me and scares the crap out of me. Blake, what do you right. think? What do you think? Uh, I mean, like y'all said, it, it's obviously a scary thought. I can't imagine – Living through the Cuban Missile Crisis or something no, like that, but um, like I said, it doesn't it it doesn't go any further than me than the ability to indiscriminately cause collateral damage. Yeah, as far as nuclear weapons. That's kind of just a moral argument that I have to. Yeah, and I I can't buy the argument that incinerating women and children in Japan was a justification for not landing troops right. on mainland Japan, which I would have thought was a bad idea too. But, so, yeah, I can't buy the argument either. That's why I said there's more than two options. Yeah. But, yeah, so I agree with you. So, so kind of on the same subject, and we're going to kind of wind this thing down. But, Blake and Michael, do you think that World War II was a necessary uh, conflict? For who? For the Americans. In, in be- the Atlantic Theater. Not in the Pacific Theater, because I don't think oh, okay. there's much okay. of an argument for not fighting. Okay, Pacific I was about theater. to say, I think it's absolutely necessary if we're talking about over in the Pacific. I think when you start talking about the Atlantic, it gets a little dicey. Should we have stayed home and just seen what happened? Um, I think the scariest thing would have been the fact that like Germany was about to take Europe, like all of it. You know what I'm saying? And I think in our own self-interest, we looked at that and said, uh, we're pretty big, but 
it's going to be hard to compete with that. Now, you can make the argument, could they have kept control, that kind of stuff. So I'm going to go with, I don't think... I don't think it was necessary. Um, I think we probably put too many, too many boots on the ground over there instead of just like sending some like reinforcements and like with money and weaponry and stuff. Um, but I'm not gonna sit here on hate on that decision yeah, because no. I think I think as far as like Germany and Italy were raising some cane over there that was looking pretty pretty bad for the British and the French. And so I think I think it was a good thing that we stepped in. I think because of that we really I mean we probably saved a few few million people's lives through that. Um, but we had to sacrifice some of our own to do so. So I'm gonna go with not really necessary, but probably a good thing that we did it. Yeah, so so I'm gonna let Blake respond to this. I understand what you're saying. So my argument is that if Germany got that large, then the Soviet Union doesn't get that large. And very, very likely, Germany and the Soviet Union slug it out and American boys are saved. That's very likely what happens. Both powers decide that they don't want to fight another giant war against the third largest or the, thir- you know, one third of the largest powers in the world after they slug it out with each other. And, and, and I just don't think it was, a you know, I don't think that it was necessary to go in on the Atlantic front. That's just my personal opinion because when we topple nazi germany we create this beast that is the soviet union i don't think there's any argument to like against that at all that we we created via the vacuum we made by toppling the soviet i mean the nazi germany we created the soviet union or you know the allies did of course and the soviet union was already there i'm not saying they weren't but but you know the soviet union that we knew in the in the 50s and 60s and 70s post-world war ii you know the world war ii created that i don't think there's an argument against that to be honest with you like what do, you, what do you think? Yeah, I, I would lean on the not necessary side for the same reasons you and Michael said, but it's probably not a hill I'm willing to die on. Oh, no, me either. Um, <laughs> At all. World War I is. I mean, yeah, World War I is, but as far as the evil perpetrated by the Nazi regime and the Red Army coming from the East, which wasn't much better, I mean, no. who knows how far they would have taken it into Europe. Um like I said, I don't, I don't feel strongly one way or another. It, it's, like I said, it's not a, not a hill I'm willing to die on. Yeah, not me, not but, me either. I, I'm, I'm with both of you. I mean, it's just kind of, to me, it's kind of an interesting thought experiment. I just like thought experiments, and with Michael on, I figured we would do a few. But I right, think, I think, like for me, it comes down to in totality, we probably saved more lives in, like, for sure, than we lost. I understand that by doing well, that, is that what you're saying? Like, yeah, by doing okay. that, I mean like. We definitely saved a lot of like Jewish lives, a lot of British yeah. lives, that kind of thing. Um, did it come at the cost of a lot of our people going into really, really bad situations to kind of turn the tides? Yeah, it did, and that stinks. But I think we can take a step back and be like, that was probably a good thing. Also, I think it's kind of cool we get to say we're back-to-back World War champs. But um, we're not, I say that. I mean, we won twice. So but no, okay. I, would, I would say that America... 
though they fought well and represented themselves well in World War One, had a little to nothing to do with the with the Allied win in World War One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But benchwarmers get a ring too. You know what I'm saying? That's true. So, that, hey, hey, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I, really, the people who need a ring for winning World War Two is the Federal Reserve of America, because because yeah. <laughs> Britain and France were were stabilized by the American war effort in New York, and and that's another evil of the Federal Reserve that we're gonna have a whole episode. Their coffers on, so. were empty. So they turn they turn to the reserve, yeah, and and that's that's what the central banks for is to inflate our dollar and to keep endless wars going. I think I think we're gonna wrap it up, Michael. Do you have any do you have any uh, closing statements before we we do wrap it up? I'm I, I'm very happy you came on. This is a, this was an awesome podcast. Like we got into literally, I think we literally touched on everything. I don't even remember what we touched on in the beginning. Yeah, I will say uh, if you guys ever branch out have another podcast maybe talk some sports talk some of that kind of stuff listen i am down to talk about anything i did really enjoy this and uh i want if people listen to this who don't know me personally um i do speak with sarcasm quite often so if you did that maybe maybe rewind it make sure you hear that uh i was might have been joking at some points but um, I do. I, this was this was great. This was fun. I'm willing to do it again. Uh, I think I think this is a good thing we got going there. So yeah, I think fun. this is this is this is the conversation I've been looking forward to for a while. Like this, we got into the weeds, yeah, is... which is exactly where I wanted to be with you, Michael. <laughs> Me and you have done yeah. our dances in the weeds before on the most ridiculous topics. Blake, do you have any uh, closing yeah. statements? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. This has probably been my favorite one we've recorded so far. Which yeah. I knew it was going to be good. Michael's a smart guy. Um, we've had our own uh, discussions like this back in high school. So yeah, we all went to high school. I, I knew it was going to be good. As a yeah. preface, long, long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> I, the, the conversation that we just had there has probably been had ten or eleven times, separate occasions, much deeper, uh, and much more yeah. heated. It, and and honestly, <laughs> it's, it's fun every time. And when it comes down to it, like I think we all pretty much believe the same way um, that like we care for people and we want to see the best. Yeah. Um, but we understand that we live in a time where like stuff is just really interesting. And to sit down and talk about it, I mean, um, whoever just sits down and talks anymore without uh, texting or getting on social media, I mean, we just sat there and we talked for almost two hours. And to me, that's fun. And it's interesting, and even though I, I haven't read a book in like two years, um, I felt kind of smart there for a little bit. So Wow, Michael, I've got some books you can read. I, I mean, you know, granted, <laughs> I put in, I put my head to the pages and gained the knowledge through them because yeah. I do not read, yeah, you, you are correct. You, you strictly used osmosis. Yeah, brother. via osmosis, I've gained a little bit of knowledge <laughs> that I would like for you to read about anarcho-capitalism. But, right. but yeah, yeah. Right. I agree that like even if not a person listened to this, I, I like I literally have the time of my life just coming on here and talking about yeah. stuff like deep issues that are never going to get talked about on Fox News or CNN, and I think that's very right. valuable. And I, I do want to say something real fast before we end this thing to the people who are like, because because I've been getting some analytics and our podcast has been doing well, and, and I'm I, me and Blake and Hunter are, are extremely grateful for that. I, I, I mean it, and, and thank you for listening. Our Instagram handle is at the Liberty Pole. Please contact us if you, if you if you ever want to talk. If you might want to come on the show, whatever. I but I greatly appreciate anybody who takes the time to listen and really engage with kind of how we see the world because we think how we see the world's important because it's it's peaceful and it's pro freedom, and and I'm I'm greatly appreciative for the people who 
who have been recurring listeners of this podcast so far. But uh, yeah, I think I, I guess we're going to end it there. This is this has been this has been awesome once again, Mike. Thanks for coming on. But I definitely want yeah, you to be a recurring sure. guest, like like we've yeah, talked about. Let me know. Yeah, I, I'm a busy guy. Uh, you have, might talk to my agent, but okay, I'm, I'll let I'm him willing know. to come back on again. Yeah, okay. you just let him know. Yeah, yeah, I got him. I, I got him on the. I got him on the hotline bling or whatever the kids right. say nowadays. But uh, anyway. <laughs> That Thank was a nice you Drake callback. <laughs> yeah, it was a Drake. Yeah, there we go. We're back to the Drake equation now. <laughs> yeah, we 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 wrapped it up there nicely, boys. But anyway, thank you guys for listening, man. Like I always say, love your neighbor, love yourself, promote freedom, promote 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 human flourishing, and and, and you know just just be kind, be kind to everybody, and, and and look out for your neighbors. And that's all I gotta say. I'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening.